the blast from our past network. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me today is co-host, Dean, and we are getting back into everybody's favorite group of young assassins as we cover Deadly Class Volume 9 titled Bone Machine. Uh, I love that band, Bone Machine. Great Bone music. Machine. Great, great, uh, great best of album from Bone Machine. Is that a real band? No, I don't think so, Dean. But when you say that, then it ruins the joke. So, oh, okay. I just don't know a lot about um bands and music, so I thought that I was maybe just missing out on one of the greatest bands of all. It would be one of the greatest band names of all time, that's for sure. Moving on, uh, Dean. I'm Yo. always so excited to get back into Deadly Class. Every time we take a break, I forget how good this comic series is. And then we yeah, get dude. back into it. I'm just like, this is this is so great. It's just one of the best. Um, this volume in particular, wow. Uh, it was full <laughs> of shocker moments. Man. Yeah. That wow. was my feelings as well. Um, I think I say this every single time we start off one of these. I pick Let it up. Let me guess. It's your favorite favorite volume. I actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite volume, oh, but okay. uh, I, I get those feelings though. But every time I pick it up and I read the first like page or the first two pages, I'm like, oh, right. This is great. This is awesome. I cannot wait to just read this in one sitting. I'm sometimes like, okay, you know what? Yeah, maybe I'll chip away at this. I'll just do one issue tonight, maybe another two issues tomorrow. Just let's just open it up and get it started because we got a podcast coming. So we should, you know, we should get prepared for it. And then as soon as I'm two pages in, I'm like, I'm reading this whole thing now. I am not breaking. I'm reading it all now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you're right about that. It, it only takes like one or two pages and you're just locked in. Locked in. And my problem is going through it so fast and then stopping and not going to the next one because ah. I really, as soon as this one ended, I just wanted to go to the next one, but I thought that might like dilute my, my views of this one. So I just wanted to read this one, come to the podcast with no knowledge of what happens next and, yeah. and just talk about this issue. So I, I struggled with all my might and I was able to not go to the next volume. Nice work. I didn't know there was Thank a next you. one. So that, that was well suited well for me because I didn't have this urge to go read the next one. Cause I thought this was the like most latest one. No, this is volume nine. They have released volume 11 and oh, volume 12 is like, they're doing the single issues of the volume okay. 12 run right now. I think volume 13 is going to be the last one. Okay. I think volume 12 is part one of two parts to finish off the Deadly Class universe. Okay, cool. Wow. Hey, when we get there, that will yeah. be quite the wrap-up episode. Just totally, man. trying to cover 13 volumes. It'd be great. Wow. Favorite panel. Oh, that would be fun. Out of 13 That'd be fun. volumes? It'd be great. Hey, you joke about that, but I, I guarantee right now, if you think about some panels, some panels from even like the first few volumes pop up in your head. I got a few. I got a few in there. I got a few too. Yeah, we yeah. could do that. That'd be fun. Cool. Favorite kill? Yeah. There's only like a thousand to choose from. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. Favorite Marcus drug trip? That'd be a good one. That's great. That that's definitely a category. Favorite uh, dead body? Yeah. You count them all. You would know all of them. <laughs> Favorite panel of dead bodies lying there you go. <laughs> all around. Yeah. All yeah. Around. <laughs> There's a lot of those too. There's a lot of good ones. <laughs> that's gonna be fun, actually. We're gonna yeah. do that. We're gonna do cool. that. 
cool. Well, this volume was released in 2020 through Image Comics and is a collection of issues 40 to 44 of Deadly Class. It's written by Rick Remender, who is basically being his same old self in this book, Dean. He's writing characters that are extremely exciting to follow. And I'm really impressed with how well Rick keeps the voice and soul of this story cohesive over time. Like, yeah, from the time they start Deadly Class to this volume, it takes six years to get here. Um, And they have a couple of like half year breaks in between. But these issues read like he started out with issue one and never stopped. Yeah. It's amazing. That's what makes it so easy to jump back in. Because you read the first couple pages and you're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this is like because it is just bringing you right back to it. Yeah. Art by Wes Craig. I noticed a much more refined style in his art in this volume. Wasn't quite as rough as I was used to. Okay. Did you notice anything like that? I wouldn't say it stuck out to me. Um, Yeah. Okay. Maybe a little more uh, tighter on the lines, you know, a little more tighter on the lines. Yeah. A little tighter yep. on the lines, I think. Yeah, okay. A little, a little I would agree then, Tim. A little tighter, a little cleaner on the lines. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know which I like better, though. The oh, cleaner yeah. on the lines or the rougher on the lines. Yeah. I, I'm just pointing out there was a difference. There was a change. Um, I thought he also toned down the aggressive panel work that he's been known for in the past in these volumes. Yes. We love that aggressive panel work. It's some of the most fun stuff in these volumes. But it did look like he was going with a more standard like square and rectangle layout um, instead of those extreme angles. Yeah. Now, he obviously did have fun in certain situations, but um, it just seemed like there was less. And, you know, maybe that's because the story didn't call for those type of panels. Maybe he was just going with the flow of the story. Uh, but I, I did just notice that. So thought I'd shout that out. Yeah, no, that's a good point. There's some, he definitely does some fun stuff in there. Uh, but yep. yeah, notice is more straightforward. Colors by Jordan Boyd. Now, if you're new to our Deadly Class episodes, Rick Remender and Wes Craig have been on this from the beginning. I think Jordan Boyd jumped in on Colors, maybe volume three or four, but it's it's the same crew just the whole way through. So with Jordan Boyd, I thought he did a really like great job with colors in this one. He's done a great job with colors before, but it was different. He did it differently in this one because there were several locations that you wouldn't expect to be able to do a lot of color in. And he took some bold choices in those areas. And I think it really paid off. Um, Just as an example, there's one issue that takes place in a cabin in the woods in wintertime. So maybe not a lot of choices for color variety there, but Boyd, he just goes all in with some really interesting, like full orange pages. He's using a lot of purples. He's using a lot of pinks. Definitely not the like the color palette that you'd think of when you think winter in the forest, but I thought it was really effective. Yeah, it's uh, it's really awesome. The colors are super great. I, everything you said is uh, is how I feel about it. Uh, it pops, man. This uh, this this whole volume uh, pops with the colors. Yep. So I'm gonna recap where we're at, and all this is is this is basically the book's recap. So at the beginning of issue forty, they're kind of recapping where we're at, and when I realized they had that in the book. I said, oh, that's a lot easier than me writing a recap. Right. Taking that. But it's not quite enough. So I am going to supplement it with some information. Okay. It makes sense. But here's the recap. When homeless orphan Marcus Lopez joined King's Dominion, a school of the deadly arts, he knew it wouldn't be a walk in the park. And he was right. After a deadly freshman year and a short-lived taste of the good life on the beach in Mexico, He and Maria are back on campus and living large as the new power couple, each enjoying their own newfound status. Marcus as legacy and Maria as the new head of the notorious Soto Vatos gang. But there's more to life than school. Even one as cutthroat as King's Dominion. Helmet is hell-bent on vengeance for his departed love Petra. 
and it turns out Saya just couldn't stay gone. So, that's okay. It's fine. It's 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 average. You kind of get all that by just reading the first couple pages, really. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's average. I'm going to give everyone something above average. I'm going to yeah, give great. everyone more info. Our listeners deserve more. Of course, yeah. So I'm I'm going to go through a few important things I think that everybody should know uh, that's going to set us up for this volume. So at King's Dominion, you have two main groups of characters. Now, for lack of a better term, you have the good guys and you have the bad guys. They have a really great character dynamic between them because they're often trying to kill each other in school. Like at any opportunity they can get, they want to take one of the others out. But they're often also caught outside of school in extremely dangerous situations that calls for them to team up together and work together for a greater cause. So it's a really fun dynamic. And because of that, you never know what's going to pop off at any given moment. Anything at any time could happen. And uh, they really dig into that idea in this volume. Yeah, that's good. That's good uh, extra info for us, Tim. I'm not done, though. Oh, perfect. Petra was a character we loved. Dean, you and I loved Petra. Mm -hmm. And also a character that Helmut loved. He loved her very much. Mm -hmm. Petra was unfortunately killed. And while Marcus didn't directly do it, he also didn't really try to stop it from happening. So Helmut does not trust Marcus and wants revenge for her death. Now, Saya, here's a problem. We have a problem, Dean. Okay. And the problem is that I watched the Deadly Class series on TV mm-hmm. and learned that her name is Saya, not yeah. Saya. But I've been yeah. calling her Saya forever. So yeah. instead of me trying to call her Saya yeah. and mixing it 50-50 with Saya and Saya this episode, everybody, I'm just going to call her Saya. Because that's what I know her as. Okay. I'm going to okay. say Saya. Are you? Yeah. Why? Why would you do I that learned, to me? I learned that was her name. <laughs> so I'm going to say Saya. You could say Saya, but I'm going to say Saya. Because now I say that in my head when I read it. Like, now that I read it, it has changed because I've heard it. Okay. Well, fuck you then, Dean. I'm calling her Saya as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Sorry. if you're going to do it, that's okay. I'm going to do it too then. Okay, cool. Okay, let's see who cracks first. Okay, yeah, this is fun. Okay. This is a fun game. All right. Yeah. Here if we it's go. me, it's really... It's really yeah, you'll you'll be very embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Saya, who used to be very close with Marcus, but has been gone for a long time because her loving brother Kenji kidnapped her and held her prisoner in Japan. She returns at the end of the last volume and Marcus and Maria... Their characters, you need to know they've been through a lot together and have a very deep connection. So that's kind of where I'm going to leave off the information. Dean, is there is there anything you want to add? Um, no, that's that's good stuff setting up for for this book. I I don't really want to add anything in fear of giving something away for this book um, because I did not prepare it all to give any background here, Tim. I, I feel like I would step in it. I feel like I would I would give something away by just trying to give background. So I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it to your expert background you just gave us. Okay. Fair enough. Now, Dean, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. Cool. I'm going to catch I'm going to catch you off guard. Oh, good. Normally, we recap the covers at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But as we're going through each issue, I want to talk about the cover before we talk about the issue. Perfect. I love it. Okay. So... Cover number 40. It's basically an angry helmet holding his axe. Yeah. So this was just okay for me. Uh, th- there's nothing really special about this. Kind of forgettable, but it's it, that's what it is. It's him with his axe. Yeah, it's a good description. Um, it's kind of cool because, you know, I like helmet. He's holding his axe. You know, there's not a lot of detail on his face. It's kind of in the shadows. Um, I always have to think. I always have to put myself back in the comic book store. Back on Wednesday, you know, after work, going to the comic book store and trying to figure out what I'm pulling off the shelf and what I'm excited about. Would not be super excited about this cover. 
a little bit boring. I know Helmet's in the book. I know he's a, he's a character that's in this book, so a little bit boring. Yeah, if I see this on the shelf, I'm not particularly interested in what's going on on the cover. Yeah. But getting into the issue, though, we start off where the last volume ended. Basically, it just picks up right there. Yep. I, I love when volumes do that. We're in the church with Maria and Saya has showed up. They're reunited. We both thought when they saw each other, they were going to fight, but they ended up hugging. We get great. a narr- I I don't I I mean sure a fight would have been great too though <laughs> of course yeah but uh, also being to friends fight. is nice okay okay yeah uh, we get a narration from the character Zenzeli who we like to call Z mm-hmm. and she summed up this situation pretty well she says they'd last seen each other one hundred million years ago uh, in regards to Saya and Maria. On a mission to stop a serial killer, Saya betrayed Maria. Maria tried to kill Saya, but none of that mattered anymore. Yeah, great. I loved it. <laughs> it's a great. I felt she, caught up. Z should be doing the recaps of, of the volumes. True. Yeah, true. Pretty good. She, she does a great job. Nice and short. So then we see two of Saya's brothers, goons. And they burst into the church and they're after Saya. They want to take her back. Yeah. I liked how they looked because they dressed just like Saya dresses. Yeah. Uh, that classic white t-shirt with no arms, the suspenders and black pants. I always just assumed that was Saya's style, but there's obviously something more to that. And I think that's a really neat call from Wes Craig to build a backstory just by dressing them all the same. Yeah, because that that you know down the road he could just decide to go. Well, I mean, he's he's the artist, but you know, Remender could decide to go somewhere with a story, and you know, all they needed was just dressing them all the same here. It's neat. Yeah, totally. That's what I, that's what I really liked about it. Um, it's uh, it just catches your eye, and it's like, it, it's one of those great things that uh, that you notice. I think maybe you you notice them in other things and other visual types of. Um, you know, media, but I, I do like it in comics. You can kind of look at it a little longer and you know that this is like, oh yeah, this is like exactly how she dresses. Um, so you can like match that up. It was really cool to see. It got me like excited just for that same reason. It's like, oh, it's all of a sudden there's all this backstory just by uh, dressing someone a certain way, just by putting them in an outfit. Um, and yeah, I was, I was, uh, it made me even, yeah, more excited to see these characters because we've seen, we know there's always been characters after her. There's been characters like busting in to try to try to get her. Um, so so this was something that made it kind of unique and special, right? To see this outfit and to see it's something she used to wear. Yeah, they even had like the same tattoos, like yeah. two full sleeves on the arms. Exactly. Yeah, it looked exact. She looked exactly the same. Yeah. The fight ends up being pretty uneventful, though, because the team of Z, Saya, <laughs> I'm pausing before her name every time, trying to get it right, <laughs> uh, and Maria. Like they're they're tough as hell, so yeah. they easily put these two goons down. Like it was no problem at all. Uh, Z, Z had a really good kill though. She put someone through like a spiked fence. Yeah, <laughs> it was, was great. It was a great start. It was great. Z was great because she was like, "Oh, you thought you were here to you know, just fight somebody? You didn't know you were fighting like a demon." <laughs> you know, she's like. She gets yeah. so she gets like possessed and has this like crazy aggression and uh, she has ra- rage issues, rage issues, but like gets possessed by a demon with those rage issues. Um, and it was uh, it was great. She just annihilated like it was it was over so quickly. It's what I like that we're later down the volumes now. All of these kids are so efficient, you know, yeah. so they can just handle themselves when stuff comes up. Where in the beginning volumes, you're like kind of worried whenever something happens. Now it's like yeah. people bust in the door and you're like, all right, let's let's throw down. Here we go. Yeah, this would have been a far larger issue, like yeah. maybe four or five volumes ago. But now they're yeah. all so well trained. No big this deal. Was, this was nothing. Yeah. So we get a great sequence with Helmet sneaking out of King's Dominion. Great art showing him sneaking around. Yeah. He sneaks past guards. He is going in and out of doors, up and down hallways. He goes up this really cool brick spiral staircase. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. One of my best, uh, one of my favorite panels in the book. He goes through a busy kitchen. He's crouching down on the floor so nobody can see him. And all the while, he's thinking to himself that he needs to get revenge for what happened to Petra. And he didn't want to ask his best friend to Sawi for help because he didn't want to put him in danger. Then he gets out of King's Dominion. He gets to street level. Tasawi is standing there waiting for him. Yeah. And says, Don't you know there's a tunnel that leads right to the street? (laughs) I enjoyed this so much. Yeah. Because we've seen people sneak out many times from King's Dominion and they always just take the tunnel. Yeah. That's that's the only way that we know you can get out of King's Dominion. Well, guess what? Nobody told Helmet that. And he (laughs) took the long he took the long way around. But it was a lot of fun watching him do that. I think it was just a really fun choice to have him do that. I really appreciated that in this book. It was so great. There was so much like build up while he was doing it. He was monologuing while he was doing it. So there's so <laughs> yeah. much tension building up. And then you just get of so much like build up of how he can't tell Tasawi because like he doesn't, he just can't do that. He doesn't want to bring him in on that. And then he gets to the top and you, you don't see who says it first. I don't think you just hear, like yeah. you just read someone say like, don't you know there's a secret tunnel? And then you're like, oh, that's definitely Tasawi. This is going to be hilarious. Uh, it's so great. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Tasawi convinces Helmet to take him along, and they head off to kill Petra's dad, who is apparently the leader of a death cult. Mm-hmm. Now, this correct me if I'm wrong, but this is news to us, is it not? Or did we know about this? I, I don't um, think that we, we knew about it. So, so um, Petra uh, definitely talked about in the past her dad saying to watch the eyes of someone dying. That's how, you know, like when they're dead, when their soul leaves them. Um, Mm. so we knew there was that going on. Uh, we, we didn't know any details for sure, but I don't know if we did know about death cult or not. We knew that we knew that she was from a background where her father would have sort of taught her how to kill somebody. So I think we did know about the death cult, but not like the details we're going to find out in this book. Okay. I didn't remember anything. Yeah. And it's also been proven that I don't have the best memory. So, okay. I mean, that, that's all I remember is when she says like about the soul leaving the eyes. Remember, it's like the skulls in the eyes is like, that's when, you know, right. someone's dead. And like, that's right. what her dad taught her. That's all I remember is that her dad taught her that. Okay. Well, they get to the location they were looking for. They find a normal looking church. Uh, They're led into a room in the basement. Mm-hmm. The door is locked behind them. Everyone gets naked. Um, this is unlike the church that I know, by the way. Yeah. I've never been in the basement though. No, I've been in the basement. This didn't happen. Okay. 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 A curtain is dropped, revealing three naked people with swords wearing goat heads. And the congregation are all begging to be killed. Great. (laughs) I really enjoyed the escalation of this whole scene. Yeah. Like it, it just all happens so fast. Helmet and Tasawi were outside. They get greeted by the pastor. He's just welcoming them. Everybody just gets moved inside, moved to the basement. The door's locked. And then it's it's naked city. And then it's the the goats, the goat people. It, um, yeah, it's it's so well played because you think they're just making a funny joke about like churches. You know, he's like, because Helmet's like building up this death cult that Petra's from, and then they just pull up to a church. And so then they're just walking in and you're like, oh, this is funny. Like he's just calling a church a a death cult. And then they slowly walk downstairs and you're kind of like, something's weird about this downstairs they're going to. And then this shit breaks loose and it's just escalates so quickly. I loved it. I love this, uh, this whole progression. Yeah. So as soon as Tasawi sees the goat people, he's like, get me the F out of here. So yeah. he runs off. The goat people come after him. Helmet pulls out his axe and takes one of the goat people out. Tasawi uses his skateboard on another. And we've seen him use his skateboard before. It's like his weapon. Yeah. But they, they upped the ante here because we saw that spikes came out of the end of it. Yeah. And that the bottom was like reinforced with a piece of steel. So yeah. that must have just been like something he added on to his skateboard, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think so. Helmet is able to break the lock off the door and they run out. And then we see someone watching from behind a wall as they're talking about how messed up being a part of this whole thing must have been for Petra. Yeah. That was some creepy weird guy in the wall. And Helmet ends up giving the keys to the car to Tasawi so he can go back to King's Dominion. And Helmet hitchhikes and he gets picked up by the guy that we saw standing behind that wall. I forget where he was hitchhiking to. Do you remember what, what his plan was? I Like, his plan was to, like, still figure this shit out. Like, he, he wanted to stay there and he wanted to get justice for Petra. So, like, they were deciding to run away and then he had changed his mind that he wanted to stay there. I don't know why he was hitchhiking. Maybe because he didn't want to go back into that building with all those people in the basement. Yeah, so maybe. I, I don't... I don't know where he was going, but he his plan was to like stay around that area so that he could find uh, Petra's dad. Okay. And on to issue 41 now. So the cover of this issue is a class photo of King's Dominion. Now, at first, Dean, this was my least favorite cover in the volume. Okay. Because I did not find it all that interesting. But the more I studied it, and I was like, well, why Why did they make this the cover? Why even do this? I came to appreciate how great Wes Craig is at differentiating the characters' appearances. Definitely. Because everyone in the photo, they're all dressed in the same school attire. So all that Craig has to work with here is the characters' heads. And he's able to make every single one of them look unique. And there's like there's more than 20 people in the photo. They all look unique. You can pick out your the characters you know. Most of them you know. Some of them are new. But everybody looks like an individual. It's, it, that's yeah. just such a great piece of art by Wes Craig that I really appreciate it. So definitely not my least favorite. Yeah, totally. That's a, that's a great point. Um, I, I, I liked it. I liked it all along. And it's because all these assassins are sitting down for a class photo. I just love in this book, in, the, in these books, when they do like normal high school stuff, um, be like, they try to relate it to high school, right? But it's like, they're assassins and they're killing people and they've been through all this shit that you could never relate to it. Um, so I love that the photos like, or that the cover is just a class photo. They all had to sit down for this class photo, even though they're like murdering each other. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point too. So now back at King's, Saya has been accepted back into the school, but Marcus is not happy about that because even though she saved his life before, he says she's not part of the plan, right? Yeah. So they have this, they have this, him and Maria have this bigger plan of why they're back and uh, it's, it's like seeking revenge. Like they want revenge for what happened to them before. Yeah. And I think like Saya, yes, saved his life um, by not dealing a fatal wound but like she was still on the other side of all that group of friends when thing when shit went down and like willie ended up dying and all that like a lot of their friends ended up dying so marcus i think still puts that on her as well that's like if she was with us that stuff might not have happened but she was against us so it doesn't matter that she just saved me a lot of people i know are dead so we see that marcus is popular at school dean this was uh, very interesting because yep. he's never been a fan of King's Dominion. He's always hated school, yeah. but now he's enjoying it. He gives us one of his classic monologues as he's saying to himself that his poor attitude is what got him here. He's tired of his boring, isolated, sad sack, reclusive, know-it-all, depressive garbage, and it's not too late to fix it. So very interesting that... Uh, he's making an effort here to fit in, and it really seems out of character for him, like trying yeah. to fit in like this. What would you think? Yeah, I, I thought this was, uh, I don't know if it's like, yeah, yes, it's he wants to fit in, but he's also like, it, 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 the fitting in is like a submission. You know, he's kind of saying how it's like it. he still looks down on it and he thinks you're not being yourself and he thinks it's gross, but like maybe that's the only way to survive. You know, he's like, He's still trying to work his way through it. And now that he's popular, he's like, well, yeah, maybe this is 
maybe this is how you get by. Maybe it's the only way to do it is to fake it so that everyone uh, thinks you're cool, you know, change whatever your life is to be cool just so that people will, you know, like you. Um, so I, I, I thought it was still in character, but still, you know, yeah, a little bit not because he's actually submitting to it um, to to kind of lean into that, lean into that popularity. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I didn't take it as submission. Yeah. Uh, I, I took it as like, he was trying to, he's trying to turn his life around actually. Um, I, like I have a quote here where he continues, you know, sort of saying what you, you're saying there. He says, we all want to be accepted, but if you're not cool, you won't be accepted. So we pretend to be cool. We adapt to their expectations. We start to change into who they are. So the best thing to do is just be yourself, do what you want, speak your true mind. So, I mean, I guess it's debatable, like what his true intentions are here, but like he, he's, he does change his character in this volume. Like he's not the Marcus we know he's, I could, I could see him faking it if other aspects of Marcus were still the same, but we get you know, other aspects of Marcus that we're familiar with, like him drinking, him doing drugs. Um, not like that's not even in this volume. He he's done away with that as well. So I, I took it as like, he's, he is really trying to change who he is and, you know, being a part of the school, getting involved in that community, um, is one of the ways that he's changing himself and it's important for him to do that. So that's kind of the way that I took it. It's yeah. That's interesting that you saw it a different way. Uh, I I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. I think for me, I had kind of separated the popularity thing and the drinking and drugs because I, I thought the drinking and drugs part was just to stay focused on the plan, like to make sure that he could actually execute the plan. And then the popularity thing I thought was just still playing it up, you know, was still putting on, uh, false act. But I, I also like what you're saying. I think that fits too. You know, there's a lot going on in its head in this whole volume. And I think we could, yeah, I think we could see it either way there. I think so too. Cause I do like yeah. what you're saying because they do have a plan. They continue yeah. to allude to a plan that we know nothing about. So maybe exactly. the plan is that they blend in, they become super popular with school. They change the characters that they're known for yeah. so that they can be accepted and then get the opportunity to get the revenge. Yeah, that's completely possible. So, yeah, without further knowledge of what happens, um, I, I think you could, you know, you can look at it however, however read you read it to. either way. Yeah, yeah. So another, you know, bigger section in this issue is that Marcus and uh, some school friends they head to a carnival. Um, they're just kind of goofing around, having some fun, uh, being kids. Um, I really do like, um, because of the adult nature of this comic, I often forget that these kids are just kids and remember always finds a way of writing it back into our minds that they are just kids. They're like typical teenagers with, you know, teenager thoughts and teenager emotions. And they go through all the stuff that teenagers go through. They just happen to be assassins at the same time. So we see them at a carnival. They're just, you know, teenagers experiencing a carnival, having fun, playing games. But the only reason they're there is because it's a class assignment and they have to kill somebody. And they're they're there right. to kill a really shady senator. And they do it. They kill this senator in the tunnel of love. And, and that's like, it's just really interesting mix of being a child, being a kid in high school mixed with being an assassin and they put the two together in a really convincing way um in this uh in this series yeah they're like stopping to play the carnival games and stuff and it's just you know it's stuff like that where it's like if you sent adults to do this assassination they're not stopping and to play a carnival game to actually play it like the kids are actually playing it because they want to play it and then they're like oh we gotta get continue on with the assignments like we gotta we gotta actually get this done Yeah. And they're having the conversations that teenagers would have at the carnival. It's all very innocent. So on to issue 42, the cover is six people around a campfire. Some are sitting, some are dancing. I think this cover looks really good. Uh, It has a really great complimentary color scheme going on, Um, but it's like a really interesting bluish green. 
and an orangish yellow. So it's not just like a standard blue to orange. It's like a mix in between. Really unique choice of colors. And five of the characters on the cover are kind of looking off. But Marcus is looking right at us. So I thought yeah. that's that's an interesting cover. Because yeah. they're, they're trying to say something there. Like when you have six characters and one of them is looking right at you and the rest are looking in a different direction. That's trying to say something. So I, I really like this cover. Um, this was one of my more favorite from, from this volume. Yeah, totally. It just, uh, it just looks cool. And I think what you're explaining with the colors is a big reason about that. Um, a big reason for that. So like this one definitely would jump out to me on the stand doing like the, the comic book stand test. This one would definitely jump out at me. I think it's uh, I think it's really neat. I like it a lot. Another interesting thing with this cover is that this event, this campfire, ends up happening kind of later in this issue, but more so in the next issue. But it happens in the wintertime. But this cover is not in the winter. So I thought it was a really interesting choice to show them dancing around this fire in the summer or fall when the actual event takes place in the winter. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder why. Yeah. I don't know. I like it though. Yeah. So we get a splash page of Marcus struggling on the toilet. This was a great page. It's good. I just put, (laughs) I put my iPad down and I was just looking at it. I was studying every detail on this page. It was so well drawn. (laughs) It was so funny. Classic Marcus, diarrhea on the toilet. You know, it's the funny stuff we like in this book. How many times has he had diarrhea in this in this run? It's it's Several. it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's over five, I think. It's unfortunate for him. It is. Now, we've sort of mentioned it already, but this is where Marcus mentions it to us. And I think it's very interesting is that Marcus tells us he's gone straight edge the last couple of weeks. So he's not yeah. drinking. He's not doing drugs. Very interesting turn for Marcus. Uh, we know him as a lover of drugs. We know him as a lover of alcohol. He's the self-proclaimed acid king. Right. Um, so this is very this is very strange. But also, Dean, what's happening here that might strengthen my argument for him actually making a true change here is that... Because of what he's doing with his choices of, of to not party and stuff like that, him and Maria are starting to drift apart because she still is partying really hard and she still wants to have that experience, but he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and I can see it's, it's, um, there's tension on the relationship because of it. Yeah, for sure. Marcus goes with Jayla to see Blue Velvet in the theater. And Remender writes a great line for him here. And he says, this is Marcus talking. He says, Blue Velvet is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. In a culture full of dumb motherfuckers who see good character development as filler, who equate action to entertainment, David Lynch's focus on character and atmosphere and inventive dialogue, dot, dot, dot. He's my new spirit animal. Nice. I, this this jumped out at me in the book yeah. because like Remender himself is all about character and For atmosphere sure. and yeah. inventive dialogue. That's Remender. So yeah. uh he I mean he must be a David Lynch fan. Yeah. Just to, to throw sure. this in here. Yeah. Definitely. I thought it was and really like, neat. Yeah, and like Blue Velvet showing like the the underbelly of the suburbs. He's showing us like the the dark side of high school, you know, that's what this book is showing us like the underbelly evil things going on at high school. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's very similar. Yeah. It's a great part, small part, but great part. I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. I love that too. That's, that stood out to me. Made me want to watch blue velvet again. I've never seen it. Okay. Okay. Unlike Remender, I'm actually not a David Lynch fan. Yeah, I didn't. I'm ducking. I'm ducking right now. I know. I know. I'm rocks rocks are being thrown at me. They're they're coming at you, and I'm I'm just getting prepared to run away as well because uh, I didn't love I didn't love Blue Velvet the first time I saw it, but this definitely made me want to watch it again. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I do think I need to give David Lynch movies another chance because I saw them a long time ago 
when I didn't really know about movies, I didn't really understand the process and that there were different directors doing different things. So I, I just saw it as a movie. Um, I don't even, I think I saw Racerhead. I saw it as a movie, okay, didn't yeah. really understand it, didn't really yeah. like it. But being more mature, I really should go back and revisit some of that stuff. I think I could appreciate it a lot more. If yeah. I do, I will start with Blue Velvet. Cool. They're weird, and I love weird shit. So I, weird, I should really, yeah. I should really like them. I just, uh, yeah, I, I also need to sort of revisit some of them. Yeah. So Marcus and Maria go to this cabin party. Marcus won't take part in the drinking. He won't take part in the drugs. But Maria wants to let loose. And Maria, she's kind of, sort of, looks like she's maybe getting into her roommate Stefano lately. Yeah, it seemed like that was happening, like, sort of throughout this whole volume. Yeah, it seems yeah. like that. Now, Stefano knows Marcus is her boyfriend, isn't really fan of Marcus. So Stefano spikes Marcus's Perrier, and that's why Marcus was on the toilet. So right. we've, now, we've now caught up to that moment in the book here. Yeah. And with Marcus stuck on the toilet... That gives Stefano a chance to take off outside with Maria. What a move. This is dirty guy. Dirty guy. Dirty. What a move. Hey. Hey, Spike Stefano. Spike the boyfriend's drink so he's stuck on the toilet so you can dirty. take his girlfriend for a little walk outside. That's a dirty move. That's a dirty, dirty move. move. A dirty. dirty. Don't give another man diarrhea. Come on. Come on. Don't man. give anyone diarrhea. Come on, man. Jeez. Yeah, don't give anyone diarrhea. I am a bit surprised here with Maria, though, Dean. Yeah. This this is not really the Maria that I know and I love. Yeah, I know. Um, I've got a Maria poster from Wes Craig right here behind me in the studio. I see it. I look at it every day. I don't want to have to take it down. Yeah, but if she continues to behave this way, I might have yeah. to. At least you'll at least have to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Turn it around or upside down or something. Yeah. You'll leave it on the wall, but you'll just turn it around. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea, Dean. <laughs> now, out by the campfire, Grogda is aggressively yelling at Shabnam. Of course. Well, what else does she do? Well, exactly. These two have been dating for a really long time. Yeah. She emotionally abuses him at every turn. Every turn. And she was exceptionally angry here. I yeah. thought she <laughs> I thought she was about to kill him. She looked oh, yeah. so mad. She was very mad. So Shabnam, he decided to take the opportunity to kill her. And he cracks her with an axe and she falls into the fire. Wow. 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 <laughs> wow. I thought this this is going to come off wrong, but I thought this was a lot of fun. Like I am uh, not a fa- I'm not a fan of either of these two, especially not a fan of Grogda. But I definitely was not expecting Shabnam just to off her here like this. Was not expecting this. This was a ton of fun. He just takes takes the hatchet right into her head. She falls in the fire and then he like roasts marshmallows on top of her. Like he's so proud of himself. He just sits there. He doesn't run away. He doesn't. He sits back down to the campfire and enjoys his Grogda campfire. Um. I feel extremely bad about about saying this, but I had such a good laugh because like basically what happens is he axes her and she yeah. falls into the fire and that that's all. That's that's the end of the issue. Yeah. Then we move into the next issue and we'll get back to the cover for this next issue in a second, yeah. but we move into the next issue and Marcus is walking outside looking for Maria. And he walks past the the bonfire. <laughs> And Grogda's dead in the fire. And I laugh at that just because because yeah. Shabnam is still just sitting there. He's just chilling. At the fire, warming yeah. himself. And then I realize he's roasting marshmallows on her. And I thought that was hilarious. It's so funny. It's very morbid, but it was very funny in the book. It's, I laughed hard. Yeah. But let's get back to the cover issue four. Okay. This one really grabbed me. It yeah. was... Marcus, Maria, and Saya on the cover. Um, mostly silhouettes. Each of them have a, a red circle behind their head, which allows their 
the faces to kind of pop off the page and they all have white eyes. So I thought this looked great. This is definitely one that makes me grab it off the shelf if I see it. Yep. One of my favorites for sure. This is the, uh, you know, it's black and red. The, the, uh, most, mostly black is what we're seeing, but the reds are the, at least the words are red. And then these, these circles that are kind of lighting up the back of them are also red. I think they could be, you know, um, targets or something like that. They look like they could be something like targets or they're in someone's sights, you know, or something like that. So I I like that aspect to it too. And it's the three, you know, it's the, the the three, my three favorite characters on the cover and maybe they're in, you know, maybe they're in someone's sights. So I, uh, yeah, this is very exciting. This would make me pick it up and read it right away. Yep. So as Marcus, uh, walks past the bonfire, um, Brandy, kind of points off to the direction that she saw Stefano Mm. and uh, Maria go. Unfortunately, Marcus finds Maria cheating on him with Stefano. Yes, very unfortunate. um, But Marcus did have the same idea to do this last issue with somebody else upstairs, and it just didn't work out. So, yes, it's horrible and sucks to walk in on it, but you're also like, you just had this same idea. It just didn't work out for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, Marcus runs off into the woods. He's very upset. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very upset. He stumbles into a circle in the snow that's been painted in blood. It's got skulls and bones around the perimeter of it. Uh-oh. And then, uh, yeah, uh-oh. And then Helmet randomly comes out of the trees. Uh, what? What? He's he's decked out in black cult attire. Yeah. This was weird and unexpected. Yes. He's been gone for the whole volume. We, we started out with him. We started out an issue in the first issue of the volume with him. And then we haven't seen him at all. We don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, he's just in the woods in black. And Marcus has just kind of run into his little circle here. Very, very strange. We then see 30 cultists move in on Stefano and Maria. And they say Goroth, the forest lord, has been called forth to make them suffer. Mm. Yikes. Sounds bad. Yeah, it does sound bad. Another group of cultists approach Shabnam. They knock out Brandy with a dart, but they take a liking to Shabby. Then they move into the cabin and start killing everybody inside, all the kids. This was wild, dude. This was wild. This all happened so fast. <laughs> I was... didn't really know like what to do with myself. I didn't no, understand was... what was happening. I was like, why why are there so many cultists at this location? Like, why if there's a cabin right here, could Marcus wander off, I don't know, 3 minutes away and yeah. stumble upon some sort of wild cult? It was weird. This, this I didn't understand. Like, this was the moment in the book where I had to, like, kind of turn back pages, read them again, read the whole thing again, and and kind of w- look at where people are coming out of the woods and stuff and be like, okay, so, like, this is the cult from the beginning, but, like, what happened? Why are they here? How did they get here? How come they're at this, like, we're at a cabin in the woods. Where did they come from? Do they live here? Do they live in these woods? I was very confused. Me too. So this is Petra's dad's cult. Mm-hmm. This is this is they, <laughs> and to answer the question of why are they here, why are they so close? Well, Shabnam called them, said yep. there's a party. Come on down, we want you to join the party. Now, Dean, our buddy Polly is brought back into the book here uh, for an extremely unfortunate moment where they just stick a poker through his eye and kill yeah. him. Don't do Polly like that. No, Polly's finally dead. I mean, we thought Polly would die at the beginning since we first saw him because he's a red shirt. Yeah, I'm not. And he didn't. I'm not ready for the, for Polly to be dead. No, and gone. me neither. He lasted so long. I always thought he was going to die and he never did. And then yeah. now they stick a poker in his eye. I was like, maybe he's not dead. Oh, he's dead. He's so dead. <laughs> he's so dead. I mean, but like when it happens, it did- I'm like, bounce back, Polly, sit up. Yeah, but it didn't just go into his eye. It went through his head. Yeah, it's through his brain. Via his eye. So, yeah. pretty, I mean, I get you could you could survive that. That's not 
Stranger Things have happened, but I feel like that was them I think getting rid of Polly. Yeah. I think they were. I think so. I think so. Um, I don't know. I liked Polly, but the cult light the cabin on fire with a bunch of our friends still trapped inside. Yeah, shit. Mo- most of our favorites. Yeah. Now on to the last issue. And the cover for this one is a character montage of kind of all the main players in this volume. There is a snake in the foreground weaving its way down the cover, sort of wrapping around the skeleton of a dead rat. There's nice blues and pinks going on, mm-hmm. which carried through for most of this issue. So I liked that they did that. I like that they showed us colors on the cover and progress them through the issue so i thought it looked like pretty good it was a pretty good looking cover but at the same time i i did find it a little bit boring yeah i'm i I agree with you tim i i'm not a huge fan of the all the characters and how they look like they're just fine they just look fine they don't like pop to me or anything what really pops is the color the color is what kind of makes the cover for me the rest is just okay um, so if it was done, if it wasn't colored, you know, as well, um, then I I wouldn't probably care for it at all. But the color give it a little bit gives it a little bit of pop for me. I'm just not too into all the all the character montage on there. Yeah, same here. Overall, as a volume, not one of my more favorite volumes for covers. Yeah, agreed. It's usually very tough to pick like the best one. You know, you're usually between three or four of them. I would say there's you know, easily one, one that's my favorite and, you know, one or two that are at the top there. Yeah. So we see Marcus in his mind with another flashback of his dad. I fucking love each and every one of these family flashbacks we get from Marcus when they come up. They're the best. Yeah. We see his dad in the snowy woods with a young Marcus while the current Marcus narrates, my dad still visits me, less and less. I never want to expect it, but he shows up. We walk through memories together. I tell him about my life. He complains about being dead. I sink into the comfort of his company before I suddenly remember he's gone forever. And I wake up. Only snapshots are left. Bits and pieces of what we said, but nothing to hold on to. There's an honest perfection in it, a hard reflection of the way it all goes. Loved it. So good. Loved the words that are being said. Loved the art that's going along with it. It's always really powerful art, too. They're always doing something beautiful. When Marcus remembers back to his family, it's always something beautiful happening. And those are the memories you'd have, right? Those are the memories. Those are those like memories that get burnt into your head. Just the best of the best moments. And that's what Marcus keeps going back to. You know, he remembers like his dad surfing on the beach. He remembers like the beautiful day they went to the carnival and he got some ice cream. Um, He remembers like being at a pond with, with ducks. And, and he remembers being out here in the forest where his dad took him to like hike up a mountain so they could overlook the forest um, in the moonlight. And it's just a, it's yeah. a be- beautiful, beautiful moment. And I love that Marcus, in different like struggles throughout his life, retreats to these memories um, as like a defense mechanism. Yeah. And this was just another one. You know, it's just thought yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah. It's great. Uh, those memories are where he feels safe. And I like that we get different ones in different situations. So very nice. Very nice to have it at the beginning here. Yeah. We quickly cut to see Helmet dragging Marcus through the snow back to his sacrificial circle, which I think is um, probably bad news. Probably. I wouldn't want to be in there. I don't want to be in there either. We get some great art. From the inside of the burning cabin with our friends trying to figure out how they can get out. Everything is colored orange. The whole page is orange. Yeah. Very much capturing the feel of like an intense fire. I thought yeah. it was really, really well done. It, it made me panic. I felt panic because oh, of the, sure. co- the coloring. Yeah. Now they're trying to figure out how to get out. They all think they're going to die. 
Victor decides he'll just smash his way through the front door, which is barricaded from the other side. It's reinforced so they can't get out. He just smashes into that door so hard and bursts through the other side. Great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great Victor moment. He's the Terminator. It brings it back to Victor Terminator, Terminator moments. He when, is, yeah. When he just would never stop. Can't stop, don't stop. Just would keep going. And when he burst through this, I was like, yes, that's Victor. Victor's back. Yeah, that was great. Now Victor gets out. He sees Petra's dad taking off with Brandy. Now we should say the dad wants Brandy because Brandy was the one who killed Petra. So the dad yeah. is there for revenge on Brandy. Yeah, right. Victor and Brandy are kind of a thing. So Victor sees that and he goes after them. But he gets shot in the leg by Jayla. And Victor killed her brother many, many volumes ago. Maybe volume two. This is old news. Yep. But she wants revenge too. And she shoots him in the arm. Then she shoots him in the head, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, what? What? Victor dead? What? I was shocked. Yeah. I put I put my iPad down. I needed a moment. I was like, For I sure. needed to process what I just read. This is this is wild. Victor's dead. The amount of moments along all of these volumes that Victor has been in serious like in injuries. <laughs> you know, his injuries have been he's sustained serious injury. He's been in such dangerous circumstances he keeps pushing he takes bullets he takes knife he takes stabs he takes it all and you're at a point you're just like like we said he's the terminator he can't die like victor can't die he's just if he's made it this far he's gonna make it all the way bullet in the head he's dead we saw him get hit by like a human-sized piece of concrete swinging from a rope yeah fine and he walked away well, yeah. It wasn't fine, but he walked away. He was fine, um, Tim. <laughs> he was fine. He was fine. He didn't even feel it. Didn't even phase him. I felt like there was so much more in store for Victor. Yeah. Like, I just felt like his story had so much more to tell, especially Victor. But this is Remender letting us know that at any time in this book, Anyone can be killed. Yeah. This is, this is just an example of that. For sure. Like, you don't, you and I, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, don't get favorite characters because Remender will kill them. Uh, for sure. Yeah. He'll definitely kill them. I think this is my most shocking of person to, to die in the book. I agree. I definitely. Which makes sense because it's scaling up, right? Yep. They're sort of scaling up the level of the characters who who get killed. So yeah, I think Marcus dying was the most shocking, but then he wasn't dead. So right, this now back. takes it. Yeah. So Shabby gets the opportunity to hit Saya. Got it. With a rock and handcuff her close to the fire. <laughs> he leaves her with her sword and says. She can cut her hand off if she wants to escape. Shit. One of those situations. Yeah. Back to Helmet and Marcus. Maria has shown up to help. I loved this fight with yeah. Marcus and Maria teamed up here against Helmet. Really, really good. The backgrounds are all colored in pinks and purples, which is just weird, but it looks yeah. so great. With so um, like Helmet, he's he's decked out in black he's got he's wearing all black he's got black like eye makeup on R looked really really cool together helmet is about to kill maria when stefano who ran off earlier it looked like he was scared but apparently he just ran off to get his gun he comes back and he guns down helmet yeah helmet's dead i know insert my comments about what happened to victor right here again because I, know. I don't know what the fuck is going on. These are characters I love in this story. And exactly the same thing. I thought there was going to be so much more for Helmet. But no, that's it. I Dean, think what's that's, going on? I don't know. I think that's the key, is that 
you think there's so much more. You know, you can just imagine this story because they're on these journeys, you know, even though they're side these side characters. I mean, Helmut's a pretty main character now, but they're these they're these characters that were like are on a journey in this book, you know? They're going somewhere. It's not like if just like Shabnam died and you're just like, well, whatever, he was kind of on the side. These are characters that have paths and all of a sudden those paths are stopped. And you're like, okay. You just feel empty because you're like, I thought there was more. I get no more of Helmet. I get no more of Victor. Okay, that's weird. I know, right? Like this, this is a, a volume where if at the very end, Marcus just woke up from a dream, <laughs> right. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> right. for like how wild these events are. Yeah. So Stefano runs over. He embraces Maria. Marcus sees that. He picks up the gun that Stefano had off the ground, and we get one last page. It's all black, except for two large white words, blam, blam, yep. and that's it. Dean, what do you think happened? What do you think blam, blam means? Where did the blam, blams go? Where did the blam, blams go? What do you think? I don't know. It's Have you hard. thought about but it? I Well, kind of, but not really. Not like think? kind of, but not happen? really, because because the book goes anywhere and everywhere. So yeah, like, it does. Nothing would surprise me. You know, it's Same. one of those things where it's like, if he shoots, if he shoots him, if uh, Marcus shoots him, that doesn't surprise me. You know that. But if he, I guess if he, if he shot, if it's blam blam, and he shot both of them, that would surprise me. Yeah. Um, if he shot Maria at all, I think that would surprise me. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I like it's not he's not just unloading it into the ground. So maybe here's what they're here's what here's what could possibly happen. Someone's behind them and still coming up on them or something. You know, there's like a there's one last person left coming at them and he saves them. I don't know. I don't know what could happen. Well, I don't think possible. he shoots them. I, I don't think he shoots them. There's there's two two guns in play. So the gun that he has, and Jayla has a gun. She just shot yeah. Victor. Yeah. So it could be her, but she has no reason to shoot any of them. No, no, no. I don't. No, no, I don't yeah. No. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus shot Stefano two times. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if he shot Maria two times. I wouldn't be surprised if he shot each, each of them once. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if he shot himself. That would uh, surprise me. Yeah, actually, that would surprise me. That's probably well, a bit, yeah. You know why that would surprise me? is because I know that he lives beyond this volume. Because okay, of, right. Because yeah. I've seen co covers of other volumes and Marcus. Okay, so that would really so surprise me. <laughs> that would be very surprising, actually. The most yeah. surprising. Yeah. But I don't know, Dean, because we've been um, teased like this before. There yeah. was another final issue where Marcus is standing over Victor, where there were mortal enemy enemies. And he's got the gun pointed at Victor. And we hear, like, blam, blam. And the volume yeah. ends. And then the next volume, we just realized that Marcus just shot off into the air. Yeah. Kind of like saying he was trying to be the better person at that yeah. point. He was like, this isn't the way that we win. It's not by killing people. It's by not killing people. It's by helping people. So we've got new Marcus here. The new Marcus who should be saying that, who should be saying, like, I'm going to forgive you guys because yeah. that's not what it's, that's not who I am anymore. But I don't know. I have no idea. Rick Remender will he'll do whatever he wants to do with these characters. So um I think, Dean, I'll just go on record. I think he kills Stefano. Okay. That's my call. Okay. What's your call? Take a stand, dude. Take a stand. Um, if I have to make a call, he kills neither of them. And I'm gonna say he shoots somebody else that's coming out of the woods that's creeping up on them. Okay. I feel like we're owed more than that. And I, I feel like Remender knows that. So I don't think he would do that this time. I don't think he's going to fire it off into nothing because I feel like we're owed something different. But I don't think he's shooting either of them. That's just what if what if he shot Jayla? What if Jayla came up on them and caught him off guard and he shot her? He wouldn't know. I don't know why he, he would do that. that. He wouldn't no, do that. no. All right. We'll find out next issue. I think he kills Stefano. Okay. But man, really solid volume. This is definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so good. Maybe top three. Just a great, great read. Really fast read. Lots of fun stuff going on. 
Man, did they take down a bunch of characters in this. Yep. We lost Polly. We lost Grogda. We lost Helmet. We lost Victor. Yeah. That's bananas. Dude, that's bananas. That's a banana bananas lineup of characters to lose. Yeah. So much so much action in these issues, so much like deep thinking in these issues, so many friends moments in these issues, and then so many losses, so many deaths in these issues. Um it was uh it was quite the packed volume, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was a lot of fun to get back into that. Oh yeah. And uh while it does take us some time to get into these volumes, I am always super happy when we do. And uh, I, I really, really enjoy reading these volumes. And uh, now that we've recorded the episode, I am going to jump right into volume 10 because I need to know what happened. Awesome. Sounds good. Right on. Well, everyone listening, thank you for listening. And if you're looking for a further way to support Talking Back, you could let your friends know about us, uh, let them know that you listen to our podcast. You can leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. You can send us a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back, or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talking back podcast. And now that this episode is over, don't worry head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something that you like. Dean, thank you for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. everybody i'm adam i'm john and every week we are giving you a blast from our past we are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns tv show reviews album reviews top tens and more all from the things of our nostalgic past so please join us every single week on the blast from our past podcast you can find us on spotify stitcher apple podcasts however you listen to podcasts you can find us and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia 